You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Here we go. Good morning, church family. (laughs) Makes my heart smile this morning just to hear everybody talking, see all the smiles, um, and to have had the opportunity to be here for baby Nate's dedication. Um, I could talk forever, but that's not what they asked me to do. (laughs) I'm going to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's hear it for Kara. I love it. Man, so just to share uh, personally, uh, about a month ago, I shared with you all that Lauren, um, when she was growing up, she had something called bilateral clostiotoma. That means that she had some tumors in her ears, and uh, they took them out. But more recently, she had some uh, discomfort back there, and it felt like something was impacted. And so uh, her doctor sent her for a CAT scan and an MRI, and, and they saw some stuff on that. But uh, praise God, they do not think that the tumor has grown back a ton. What they think they have found is some fluid buildup and different things like that. So I just want to celebrate and praise God for what he's done in my wife's life. Um, she still may need surgery, um, but it's not maybe as extensive as they initially thought. And um, But I, I don't know about you, but does anybody actually like going to the doctor? No, right? We don't like going to the doctor. There's no reason why we ever want to go to the doctor, but that's part of life. We live in a fallen world, and, and things do happen, and there's sickness and hurt and pain. Um, and I, I just think uh, when I have gone to the doctor for numerous things, uh, the thing, one of the things I find most annoying, uh, other than waiting in the waiting room, that's super, because ever have the Sorry, this is a side note. It has nothing to do with my sermon. Uh, do you ever take you back to where, like, the room is where the doctor's supposed to come into, but then you have to wait in there for 30 minutes? And there was a TV in the waiting room, but not in there. And then it says, the signs everywhere says, don't use your cell phone. And so you're, like, breaking the rules by, you know, because you're sitting there for 30 minutes. Anyway, side note. The thing I find probably most annoying is filling out the paperwork. Who doesn't like the paperwork? 
You ever get to that section where it has like all of the uh, family history? Right? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, they have listed like, first off, I can't pronounce about 50% of the words on there, and I don't know what they are, so automatically it's a no because I'm like, I don't know, right? And so you're like going down, and then does anybody just do the line? Do you just like cross out that section? You just do, no, no, no. Um, but it's actually kind of important <laughs> that we, we do that. Why? Because things are what's called hereditary. Um, we, we inherit things from our parents. Now, inheritance is something that uh, some of us know about. We don't talk about it a lot in our culture. Back in Jesus' day, as well as in the Old Testament, inheritance was maybe a little bit of a bigger deal back then um, because the inheritance was just handled differently. But now, um, inheritance is, is more than just financial. I mean, we inherit a lot from our parents and our grandparents, um, like uh, what are some of the things? Genetics, sickness, body type. Um, sorry, babe. Like, you know, my, my dad is my dad, and I'm always going to have a dad bod, whatever. All right, so um, mannerisms. Ever catch yourself doing something that, like, your mom or dad did? And you're like, oh, man. I remember one time, my dad, when he ate, he would sit like this around his food, and then he would, like, eat like this. And I remember one time, like, sitting down for dinner with my family and, like, doing this and, like, starting to eat. And I'm like, oh, right? It, like, kind of scares you um, because you start just, like, we inherit these things from our parents. What you have inherited from your parents is, is, is what makes you who you are. And the passage today, what we're going to see is that we have an inheritance, something that we receive from God as his children. And so let's look at verses 11 through 14. And this is what we're honing in on today. Because this is really what we've seen thus far. This passage, what Kara read, verses 3 through 14, it is one run-on, long, 202-word sentence. Paul is writing this from a prison cell to a church whom he loves deeply. And he rambles for like the first part of this letter and just goes and goes and goes. And he puts it all under this idea of blessing. And this blessing that he puts it under is the idea here is worship, praise. So everything in verses 3 through 14, it's not just a transfer of information. Paul is not just trying to transfer information to uh, the Ephesian church. He's actually telling them what they should be praising God for. And so he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes on and he uses some big Christianese, uh, massive theological words. He says that we, even as he, he says, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. He predestines us for adoption. These aren't words we should be scared of. These aren't words that should cause us to go, oh, what, what does this mean? Like, the words are what the words are. He chose us. He predestined us. And this is good. We are worshiping him because of these things before the foundation of the world. Like, as Tim was talking about, Nathaniel was knitted in his mother's womb. He knew from the beginning of time that that was going to happen. Because God is both inside of time with us, but also outside of time. He sees all things. He is sovereign. 
What does that mean, that word sovereign? He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he is everywhere. I love what R.C. Sproul says. He said, if there's one molecule in the entire universe outside of God's control, then God ceases to be God. He is God, and he is in control of all things. And so Paul wants to frame our worship with these words, that we have been adopted as sons. And then last week, what we talked about, according to his purpose, and that word purpose there means good pleasure. According to his good pleasure, he unites, sums up, all things. What does that mean? Sums up that everything that has happened in this Bible, everything that we see in all throughout history, all culminates in the person of Jesus. And so he sums up everything in history in Jesus throughout all time and all seasons. And now we enter into verse 11. First thing we see. We've seen this, uh, I think it's like eight or nine times before we see it right here. What does he say? In him. So let's clarify that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So in him, right? So God creates man. He creates us in perfect relationship, perfect harmony with him. But then what does man do? Man disobeys God and sins, severing a relationship between God and man. And so there's this chasm of sin between us that we no longer can, can be in this perfect, united relationship with God. So instead of God telling us, like every other religion, that we have to now work our way back into relationship with God, what does God do? He sends Jesus to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we couldn't die, so that we may have a restored relationship with God. And so this word in him, him is huge because what that means is we now, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, in Jesus, are now in God because of Jesus. That relationship has been restored at the moment of salvation. Understand this. The moment that you profess that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the controller and ruler of all things, and your Savior, the only way, the only truth, and the only life, you are in Him. So the relationship has been restored. Pastor, you don't know what, I, what I've done in my past. I don't. But He does since the foundation of the world. And He still placed you in Him. Yeah, but you know, last week it was a really bad week and I did all these things. I don't know that, but he does. And he still placed you in him. And that salvation is past, present, and future. His grace is past, present, and future. His love is past, present, and future. You are in him. And so what is required to be in relationship with God is 100% holiness. And because he knew that you couldn't do it, he placed you in his son who did it on your behalf. And you know what he said? He said, you don't have to continue on in this. He said, it is finished. Meaning he completed everything he needed to complete for salvation for you on your behalf. And so we rest and then we continually over and over again pursue the relationship that has already been given to us in Christ. Make sense? In him. And so that's where we're starting today. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been, and he uses the word again, predestined 
according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So we see this phrase, according to his purpose. This is sovereign language here. But what is his purpose? What is God's ultimate purpose for those whom he, in verse 5, he has adopted? For those he has adopted as sons, for those he has, and I, 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 you know what I'm saying, I say as sons, but sons and daughters, right? As children, he has placed them in Christ. What is his purpose? Well, here's what I want us to see. In verse 5 and verse 9, we see the word purpose show up. But I want to make sure that we understand that this was originally written in Greek. And Greek words sometimes have prefixes and suffixes that kind of change the meaning of the term. And so in verse 5 and 9, we see the same word in English, purpose, but actually that word means good pleasure. So according to God's good pleasure. So when it talks about God's purpose in verses 5 and verse 9, it's talking about God's good pleasure. It is his good pleasure to place you, no matter what you've done, in Christ. That's his good pleasure. But then this word in verse 11, purpose, actually has a different meaning. Even though it's the same word for us in English, it means something different. What does it mean? It actually means intention, aim. It's kind of like an archer and an arrow, right? And what does an archer do? He takes an arrow, takes his bow, pulls back, and he aims, and he shoots for the bullseye. Right? So the purpose is actually his aim. So what is his aim? What is God's purpose? What is his good pleasure? To glorify himself. Now, for some people, they're like, oh, well, that's selfish. If God existed to glorify anything else in the entire universe other than himself, then God wouldn't be God. The thing that he would place his glory in would then be God. God has the right to glorify himself because he alone is God. So he exists to glorify himself, and that's good news for us. That's actually really good news for us. Why? Because he does all things. What do we see at the end of verse uh, 12 and at the end of verse 14? To the praise of his glory. You know, dads, uh, if you're a dad in here, don't you take like a delight in giving gifts to your kids? Like if your kid really wants something, don't you delight in it? It's Sayla's birthday today and she really wanted rollerblades and we went outside. It was Maya's birthday uh, the other day. And man, as a dad, when you get to like lavish good things upon your kids, it fills something up inside of you that nothing else ever will. Like it is so amazing as a dad to be able to lavish good things upon his kids. So him being for his glory is good because his good pleasure is to give us all things. And that is what glorifies him. So it is his good pleasure to glorify himself by lavishing a grace-filled inheritance upon every single person who places their faith and trust in him. This is good news. This is the good news why you came to church today. Like you didn't know what you were walking into, you were coming in, you're like, I think there's going to be some music, there's going to be some people getting up on stage, don't know what they're going to talk about. Here's the good news, that God loves you 
and he desires and wants a relationship with you. And in that relationship, he wants to lavish good things upon you. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is the good news of his gospel that he has set forth an inheritance for every single person that he, before the beginning of time, has chosen and adopted. Amen? So, we have obtained an inheritance. So what is this inheritance? This is kind of what we're, we're, we're going towards today. The next week, Tim and I get to sit up here and we get to talk about the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really excited about that. But now we're going to focus in on an inheritance. So this word here, this phrase, we have obtained an inheritance, that phrase is actually one compound Greek word. And the word's going to be up on the screen. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it because it's so long. But here's what it means. Something future that is sure to happen. Something future that is sure to happen. And here are two common errors that happen when we are looking at and like living out and living in, we have obtained an inheritance. This is from a, a man, a pastor, author, Richard Koken. He's a theologian. The first error that we can come across when we're talking about God's inheritance that he has lavished upon us, first is thinking that our joy in God's inheritance is only future. I want us to think about that. An error that we make today as I'm every day waking up, maybe opening up my Bible, praying, living life, going to work, dealing with my kids, a mistake that I can make is thinking that the inheritance that I've received is only in the future. This is actually something that is a now blessing inheritance that we get. We're going to talk about that. The second mistake that we can make is thinking that our current experience is all that there is. So it's not limited to the now, and it's also not just limited to the future. It's both. There is an inheritance that we receive that is both now and forever. And those things may look a diff little different. So what is our now inheritance? Well, one, that now inheritance is a present relationship. I don't know if you've heard this before or not, but God wants to know you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, now that we know God, rather now that we are known by God. Why do I like that verse so much? Because it reminds me that God actually wants to know me. And he wants me to know him. And so when you ask the question, why do we pray? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we fast? Why do we give generously? Why do we serve? Why do we live in biblical community? It's so that we can grow and understand more about our relationship that we get to have with our God. Christ didn't come to establish a religion. He came to restore a relationship with himself. This is good news. And so the now inheritance is that God gives us a present relationship with him that we can, can open up his word and hear his voice, just like I can hear the voice of my wife or Tim or anybody else in this room, that God gives us his word so that we can hear who he is and have a relationship with him and know him. Second thing in this now inheritance is a present help. 
Anybody in the last two years experienced some hardship? Oh, really? I thought the last two years were, were just cupcakes and rainbows. That he gives us a present help in all of our suffering, in all of our pain, in all of our hurt, that he is a present help. What else? He also gives us a present power. This is the power that we're going to see next week of the Holy Spirit. But currently, he gives us a present power that we get to experience more and more of him as we journey in relationship with him. And then, the now inheritance, is that we actually have a present mission. And I think this is important to understand for our now inheritance because he doesn't invite us into relationship with him to sit down on the couch and be stagnant and just do nothing for the rest of our lives. He hasn't invited you into relationship with him so that you can go and pick seashells and, and play golf every day for the rest of your life and do absolutely nothing for his kingdom and his name. No, he has saved every single one of us so that we can join him on his mission to bring his good news to every man, woman, and child that is in our sphere of influence. Everywhere you go, God has created you to be his ambassador of his good news. And that's a now inheritance that we have received. That we get to actually be a part of his mission. And so, a present relationship, a present help, a present power, and a present mission. And then we have this forever inheritance, that we get to have this eternal relationship with him. This eternal relationship, like we are actually going to experience the presence of God in a way that we can't even fathom. And it's not like we're going to be up in heaven and that's like we're, you know, we're, you know, we're here in the United States and God's going to be like over in China and we have to take a plane you know, 24 hours to get over to where God is in heaven. No, he's going to be ever-present for all of eternity. We are going to experience more of him than we have ever fathomed. We get this eternal relationship with God. You ever have somebody say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God these questions? Man, listen, I guarantee you those questions aren't going to be on your mind. You're not going to wonder why the uh, Rams won the Super Bowl. Why'd you do that? I had money running on that game. You shouldn't do that. No. For all of eternity, you are going to be basking in who he is and getting to know him more and more and enjoying him for all of eternity. You're not going to care about the Super Bowl or about why, you know, your house went into foreclosure or about why you lost your job or, or why or why or why. All you're going to know is that you're going to be fully satisfied in who he is. So we get not only an eternal relationship, but eternal pleasure. We are pleasure mongers. We desire to just fill ourselves up with all the pleasures that we can possibly do on this earth. I just, before service, was talking to to a friend of mine, and we were talking about how when I was uh, in college, I went on tour with a band in New York City, and we lived the lifestyle. Do you know how empty that was? Do you know how, like, not satisfying it was? Yet when we're in the moment, when we're doing those things, we're just trying to eat it up as much as we, it's like going to fast food. Like, you take that first bite, 
and then you're like, oh man, it's all this flavor. Then the second one, by the third one, you're like, this may have been a bad decision. And you keep eating. And then about halfway through, you're like, probably should stop. And then you think, maybe I could take it home. And you think, this isn't even worth taking home. I feel yucky. And then you finish it. And as you're throwing the trash away in the trash can, you're going, every pleasure in this entire world has a limit. And it will always end up leaving us empty. But God, being rich in mercy, in the relationship that we get to experience with him for all of eternity, that he is going to give us eternal pleasure, something that we, again, can't wrap our minds around. But that pleasure is going to be in him, not in stuff. We're not getting up to heaven and going, oh man, these streets of gold are sweet. Like, I'm going to hug those. The thing that we walk on and spit our gum out on is going to be the thing that we treasure most in this world. It's going to mean nothing. It's going to be basic asphalt. So, we get eternal relationship, eternal pleasure, and that's going to lead us to eternal fulfillment. That we're actually going to experience what God intended for us to be full. And that fullness is going to be for His glory and in His glory. It's going to be all about Him. So, if I were to create a word picture out of this, we are in Christ. Christ is in God, and God says that he is going to give us something called the Holy Spirit, all right? And this is what we're going to experience. Now, I didn't test this because I think that these things, like, oh, I don't think I was supposed to come off. All right, let's see if this works. There we go. All right. Upside down. There we go. So, what? Yeah. So, when, I don't know how much this stuff expands. I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, I'm just going to keep going. Think I should stop? It's just going to keep going? Okay. So, He gives us His Holy Spirit now to completely fill us, to give us power and understanding of who He is and what He's done. He has poured out blessings. This is part of the inheritance that He has given us. Look at verse 13. In Him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, what? Until we acquire possession of it. Wait, what? Like, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So we're given the Holy Spirit. It is what fills us. It is what gives us complete 
uh, understanding and clarity of who God is and what he's done for us, and he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit that we can go out and therefore make disciples of his name and share good news with people. The Holy Spirit is what brings us from death to life. The Holy Spirit is what gives us power and, and um, hope in this world. He fills us with that, but then what has he said? Until we acquire possession of it. That means that the Holy Spirit who fills us and we are in Christ, there's still more. There's still more to come. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit that we get, is that we get it all now and there's more to come. This is the good news of the gospel. Paul is sitting in prison, writing these words going, guess what? Everything that I ever can need, want, and imagine I have in Christ because I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? There is more to come. This is the inheritance that we receive when God, the creator of all things, adopts us. Amen and amen and amen. And so... We get to experience the fullness of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're still living in a broken world. And I think this is what messes with us a little bit. This messes with us because sometimes we don't fully feel like we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, right? And so, we see in Scripture that there is someone called the devil. And the devil comes to steal kill, and destroy. He tries to steal the joy out of our inheritance. This reminds me of a story that uh, we see in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau. There's a man named Abraham. Abraham has a promised son, Isaac. Isaac then has two sons who are twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau ends up coming out first. And Jacob is clutching on his heel as he's coming out. I think every mom who's ever had twins wished that probably happened to them, right? But he's grasped on his heel. But because Esau came out first back then, he gets the lion's share of the inheritance. He gets the birthright. And so one day, Esau is out hunting. And he catches this game and he comes back and he is starving. And he feels like he's going to die. And there's Jacob making some stew, some lentil stew. Mm. And his brother comes in and goes, I am so hungry. I am going to pass out. I need some food. Can I have some food? And like a good younger brother, he says, I'll sell it to you. What do you mean you'll sell to me? Give me your birthright. Give me what's coming to you, your inheritance. What good, this is Esau, is my inheritance if I die right now. So what does he do? He trades his inheritance for a bowl of soup. And because he trades his inheritance for a bowl of soup, what happens? He begins to despise that inheritance. This is what the devil does to you and to me. He tries to steal the joy out of the inheritance that God has given us. 
Every negative feeling, every time that you get angry at God and his church, it's the devil coming in after you trying to steal the joy that God has for you in Christ. And so what tries to steal our inheritance in this world? The lures of desires? Things that we know are sinful or not good for us, but we still get lured in by. That's what the devil does, right? You ever go fishing? That's what a fishing lure does. It tries to entice a fish to bite on so it could be hooked. The lures of desires, what else? The hardships of life. These are the things that the devil tries to use to steal our inheritance. The lures of desires, the hardship of life, and then this is one that I think can probably get us more than we can ever think. The distraction of the mundane. Get up, brush your teeth, comb your hair, get in the car, go to work, do your thing, come home, watch some TV, eat some food, go to bed. C.S. Lewis wrote this, and I don't know the exact quote, but he said, Basically, I don't have to get, the devil doesn't have to get people to murder and steal and kill when just a deck of cards will do. What is he saying there? That if he can just use the simple little things in life, Netflix, social media, um, uh, success in your career, if he could just use these little things, uh, hobbies that can be restful and beneficial but then makes them an idol in your life, all of a sudden, he begins to lure you in and he begins to steal the joy out of your inheritance. Here's what I want us to see. When God gives us an inheritance, it is ours. The devil cannot steal what God is giving us. Temporarily, he may take the joy out of some of it. And for some of you, you've lost some of that joy. For some of you, you know who Jesus is, you know what he's done for you, you've placed your faith in him, but you've been lured away by your desires. For some of you, you, you know who Jesus is and you want to love him, but the hardships of life have just pressed in on you. They've squeezed you and you feel like they've broken you. For some of you, you've been so distracted by everyday life. Get up, get the kids dressed, get them off to school, get their stuff ready, clean the house, do this, do that. And then by the end of the day, you don't even have it in you to open up your Bible or to pray. And so what the devil does is he tries to steal your joy in the inheritance that God has for you. But we have a God that is bigger than the devil. We have a God who has left eternity and has come to us and wrapped himself in flesh so that you and I can have a relationship with him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit that completely fills us for his glory. And so what can we do with this? We can rest. We can rest in knowing that God has given us everything we need in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what else can we do with it? We can share that inheritance with everyone we know. That's the thing. This inheritance doesn't run out. One of the biggest fights that happen in families is when a, a, a loved one dies and then the inheritance comes into play. And then all of a sudden everybody hates one another. And then everybody's trying to get that last, that last nickel, that last quarter, just because it's due to them. Guess what? God's inheritance never runs out. And he gives all of him to all of his children. And all of his stuff that belongs to him 
which is everything, by the way, he gives to all of his children. And so, the good news for us is that we can share it freely because we don't need any, because well, we need it, but we, we, don't, uh, we won't run out of it. We can share it because if we share it, he'll continually give us more and more and more and more and more. That's the good news of his inheritance. And so, who, and you can write this question down, will you share your inheritance with? If you have placed your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who are you going to share this inheritance with? That's what you've been commanded to do in Scripture. If you profess faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter how young you are and it doesn't matter how old you are. You have been commanded by God. Right? It doesn't matter if you're uh, super successful or like Paul sitting in prison. You have been commanded by God to share his good news, his inheritance with everyone you know. And that's what we get to do. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come back on up. I'm going to pray for us that God would leave a legacy in our lives of people who love God and love others and make disciples. And I want to read as a prayer over us 1 Peter 3, 4. Would you pray with me? Father, I love these words that Peter wrote. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, your great mercy, you have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. God, I pray that we right now would receive the fullness of your inheritance and the power of your Holy Spirit in this world, in this life right now, that your Holy Spirit will be poured out upon this place as we prepare to go before you in worship and praise to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God, I also that you would give us an anticipation, an excitement for what you have in store for us forever, what you have in store for us for all of eternity. God, may we as your children bring glory to your name. God, I pray that we would go out and make disciples of you, that we would listen to your commands in Scripture, that we would obey them so that this world would be changed and transformed by the beauty of your gospel, your good news. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us. Thank you for giving us new life in you. And God, if there's anybody here today that hasn't professed faith in you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would do only what your Holy Spirit can do, and transform them, invite them, call them into a relationship with you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.